Welcome, Bird Gang. Yeah, it may not be a football Friday, but we've got a game tomorrow. So on today's show, how do the Cardinals do something they haven't done in more than a decade? That's sweep the season series from the Seahawks. MJ has his three keys for a victory, plus the always popular X Factor. But first, Chris Banjo, a witness to history and a lot of it. We'll explain. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 354, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So, MJ, have you been at a game in which a team won because of a Hail Mary play? Before Sunday, obviously. Yes, I would have been at the Cardinals-Vikings game with Nate Poole catching that touchdown. It was a throw, but it was for the game winner. That's how the game ended, and they knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. Um, I've been there from Aaron Rodgers like you, but Cardinals won those games. That's true. So here's something that I found fascinating, and credit the Arizona Cardinals media relations staff, specifically StatWiz, Mike Helm, because he passed out some note cards ahead of tomorrow night's game against the Seattle Seahawks, and of course everyone is still buzzing about the Hill Murray Cliff Kingsbury said he'd never been a part of a game like that. DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, never been a part of a game in which a game was won because of a Hail Mary. Well, Chris Banjo, the Cardinals safety and special teamer, that was his third game in which he was on the field for a Hail Mary play. You mentioned one of them, that 2015 playoff game, Cardinals and Packers. Earlier that season, the Packers won a game via the Hail Mary, beating the Detroit Lions in Week 13. Now, Banjo has also been on two other memorable plays with the New Orleans Saints. One was the Minneapolis Miracle, in which the Saints were eliminated in 2018, or excuse me, in 2017. The following year, 2018, Saints lose the NFC Championship game to the Rams because of a game in which... No pass interference was called. So Chris Banjo, a witness to history, as Mike Helm delving deep into the archives to find that nugget for us here in week 11. Yeah, you're going to have to dive really deep there unless, you know, somebody obviously knew that he, and probably the only guy I would know is Chris Banjo. But that is really, and, and let's go back to how you started this. Kingsbury, Murray, and Hopkins have never been involved and all the football they played at different levels, and obviously Cliff's coaching now, but just to be a coach. And Banjo's been in three? Yeah. It's almost like a no-hitter in baseball. I've never seen one live in person. Yeah. The Hail Mary, you count the Aaron Rodgers play, but, of course, that was in a loss for the Packers, the Cardinals winning that. He had so two in that game. Yes, that's true. Yeah, don't remind me. Although <laughs> the Cardinals won, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. But that and was, I want to say the Packers' other game against Atlanta, I think that was Richard Rodgers, the tight end, that caught that pass. Wow, you've got a pretty darn good memory. Now, do you know how long the pass was? <laughs> I, I know he was past midfield. 
61 yard pass, Aaron Rodgers to the tight end, Richard Rodgers. So Rodgers to Rodgers. And that was the last go ahead Hail Mary touchdown in the fourth quarter prior to this pass one Sunday for the Cardinals. Wow. I, I mean, people are going to be talking about this all year until something tops it. I mean, I think the Buda Baker and DK Metcalf was definitely one of the plays of the year. Just the fact that he stopped them and they didn't score and the Cardinals won that game. Um, but again, I, I think if you look at the first matchup with the Seahawks, one of the better games in the NFL. And then when you talk about a seven and two team coming to state farm stadium, another quality game that came down to the end, Buffalo scores, the Cardinals obviously, uh, you know, go viral with the uh, the video of Kyler Murray, uh, NFL films. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a remarkable like seventy two hours, and I don't think it's going away because when you mentioned plays of the year, and then games of the year, the Cardinals are in those conversations. Well, we're trying to turn the page to week eleven, <laughs> but every time we think we're there, something else pops up. For instance, earlier this morning. DeAndre Hopkins named NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Second time in his career. First time, obviously, with the Cardinals. And he wins mainly because of the Hale Murray, the seventh catch he had in that game on Sunday for 127 yards and a touchdown. But the big thing is here, that's four times now, MJ, the Cardinals have had a player win this weekly award. Kyler Murray twice, Buda Baker, and now Hopkins. Yeah, and Buda Baker played three uh, games in a month of October, and he was the player of the month. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Russell Wilson's won the award a couple times when he was on fire, and then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh, usually it comes down to quarterbacks and running backs or receiver, but it's nice to see because, you know, you had some running backs put up big yards over the weekend, and uh, they gave it to Hop, and I think it's just based on uh, the objects and really it, it won the game for the Cardinals. Yeah, and how about this interesting tidbit? I don't know if you happened to catch General Manager Steve Kime this morning on with Doug and Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. But how about this nugget, Bird Gang? Kime knew about that Hopkins trade. Obviously, of course, he would. But it was done, according to the general manager, quote, a month to a month and a half before news broke. How about that, sitting on that news for more than 30 days and you can't tell anyone outside of owner Michael Bidwell? We know a lot of things transpire in the building that people don't know about. I mean, uh, I think everyone thought they were going to take an offensive tackle and a wide receiver, but they check those boxes and then they get the best player they feel like was in the draft at Simmons. So that's the beauty of being inside. And we don't know a lot of times. I mean, we, we get the press release, um, you know, we can connect dots, but yeah. How do you sit on that? And, and, and over that time, you would think somebody would have, and I'm glad they didn't, uh, whether it was Jack Easter Bay or somebody pulls Bill O'Brien and said, what are you doing here? Are you, you sure about this? No, oh, it's a gentleman's agreement. Well, sometimes that gets messed led, uh, but they agreed in principle. And that's fascinating because, you know, going to the combine, clearly they didn't have any interest in drafting a receiver. And we talked about that at length just because of the crops. And we know that Jerry Sullivan was at LSU and Justin Jefferson could have been the guy, but they didn't have a second round pick. So, yeah, that, that's got. I mean, do you tell the head coach? I'm sure Kingsbury had an idea. I, yeah, I'm, it, it wasn't just the general manager and the owner. I'm sure there was a handful of people, but people that you had to trust that they weren't going to open up their mouths and let it spill. I'll tell you this though. Um, 
going into the combine, I, I was I was asking someone in, in the building, like, how do you rank the top wide receivers in football? And and I had Julio Thomas, Hopkins, Mike Evans, just because of the Brady factor. And I never got a response. Like, that's who I ranked. And I don't know if, if they were trying to comp who was the comp for the draft picks, but yeah, I, I didn't have any idea. I, I, I was shocked once free agency opened up and then you turn around the David Johnson trade. I was like, okay, everyone said they, uh, they're not going to be able to trade that contract. And yes, there was dead money against the cap this year, but they got, they got them off the books. And to me, that would have been a score just to get them off the books, knowing that they invested in Kenyon Drake and obviously Chase Edmonds. Uh, but yeah, th that came out of left field and it was like, wow. And that's the way I felt when he caught the ball the other night. Wow. Exactly. Cardinals certainly enjoying the last couple of days post Sunday, although there is some negative news, Bird Gang, we need to share before we kind of dive into this matchup on Thursday night football. And it is official. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury confirmed, I think, what we all thought was the inevitable and that is defensive lineman Corey Peters being done for the season with a knee injury. Never thought he was going to play this week, but because of the reaction immediately and then seeing Peters carted off the field, MJ certainly puts a damper on things because not only is he a great player, but a great later team captain and someone that this team is going to miss both on the field and in that locker room. Yeah, we, we know that Chandler Jones makes a lot of money to rush the passer and, and open things up for the other guys. But, you know, I, I think we talked about it in the, in the offseason after the draft, you know, by bringing in Jordan Phillips uh, and then drafting two defensive tackles in the mid rounds. And, you know, guys like Zach Allen returning and, you know, you look at it and I thought his snap count would go down. It was 72 last year. It was about 65, but he was actually moving the pile and that allows other guys uh, to come in and, and get those sacks or pressures or hurries or knockdowns, which I think lead to turnovers. And I'm going to miss that dance, but uh, he's, he's EF Utton in the locker room. I mean, he, there's not a lot of rah rah to him. Uh, he pretty much uh, when he's talking, you listen. And because he, he again, he's going to say the truth and sometimes it may not go well, but you, players respect him because he knows what's going on. So Hopefully, you know, things go well with the surgery. And just like Chandler Jones, hopefully they're around the team because they're guys that people look up to, even though they're not playing. I think they'll know their role, but just being there for support. Quoting Kime with Doug and Wolf, he's a natural leader talking about Peters. There are different types of leaders and he's not rehearsed. It comes from the heart, end quote. So we certainly wish the best for Peters, who, by the way, is due to become a free agent at the end of this season. So it's just something to keep in the back of everyone's heads as far as where this team goes in 2021. But where this team goes immediately now, MJ is trying to figure out what do you do when Peters is done for the season. Jordan Phillips still bothered by a hamstring injury. So you've got Josh Morrow, Trevon Coley, and Angelo Blackson as your three healthy defensive linemen. Zach Allen, Rashard Lawrence still on injured reserve, not quite ready to return, according to Kingsbury. So that's three. You know, you'd kind of hope that Phillips is able to go. And then, of course, that would give you four. But that's a very small number when you certainly like to see the rotation to make sure everyone is kept fresh. 
Yeah, and we've seen it since uh, the first week of the season. Teams do make roster moves the day of or the day before um, they're going to play. So I anticipate one option will be Michael Dogby, uh, who's on the practice squad. Uh, you can bring him up. He's been in the system now for a couple of years, obviously, you know, with Brinson Buckner, and we know he gets the best out of these players. And then you're going to have to take a look in the front seven. What's, what's going to happen with Jordan Phillips? I mean, he's been having a hamstring injury and, you know, it's a short week. You know, I thought like you, he would play against Buffalo's former team. And so maybe they were hoping to get him here and then get a little rest. But at the same time, maybe you just shut him down until he's healthy because you're going to need him uh, in the back end of the schedule. And then you got Devondre Campbell, um, who's on the injury report. So you're talking a couple starters, obviously. And then Peters, that's three starters possibly that may not play. We'll just wait for the official injury report. So what do you do? Well, we watched Vance starting in the Seattle game, and I think he started a trend when it came to defending Russell Wilson. He did it last week in the second half on Josh Allen is you line up two or three linemen with their hand in the dirt, and then you go with you know your secondary uh, sub packages where you have six basically linebackers and DBs in the game at the same time. Um, it's not going to be easy, and if I'm the Seahawks, I'm running the football because, you know, we'll find out about who's healthy on the outside with Tyler Lockett. Um, but again, I mean, DK Metcalf, you know, he's been up and down, but, you know, he's still a weapon, uh, still got good speed and size. You know, we'll see. But it's unfortunate because last week they got Kennard and, and Murphy back and it, it made a difference in that game. The Cardinals will know game day, which means, you know, 90 minutes before kickoff, not only with Phillips, but Campbell as well, who's got that calf issue that kept him off the field for a lot of that second half and why we saw a lot of Isaiah Simmons in the second half. And we talked about him yesterday with respects to what defensive coordinator Vance Joseph had to say about Simmons. So that is good news on that end. But you certainly would like to have your full complement of players when you're going up against a Seattle Seahawks team that is reeling. They've lost three of four, but like you, six and three and tied for first place in the NFC West. But here we are in week 11, MJ, and no team is healthy. It's how you deal with those injuries. How good is your depth? And right now that depth for the Cardinals, especially defensively, is being tested. Well, and just the fact that, you know, they, they played two games in five days. They will once the game gets here tomorrow evening is that you really couldn't bring anybody off the street. Uh, just because of the whole COVID thing. And now they got, you know, it's more intense when it comes to the COVID testing, just because, you know, it's, you know, teams obviously are maybe getting a little loose or they're just worried about, you know, the, 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 the spread uh, spiking in different markets. So yeah, it, it, ideally it's not, uh, you know, you hate to lose any guy, but you, know, you lose in, in that game. They, they made, you know, they made it work, but, now they've had a couple days, and I think Vance is going to try to come up with something similar to take Russell Wilson off his spot. I mean, he had three interceptions and a fumble in that game, and he wasn't uh, as effective um, last week also against the Rams. They, they had a really good game plan. So, yeah, I just think that's where the offense is going to have to carry their water. I mean, the offense, for the most part, besides Drake missing you know a game or two, um, and then J.R. Sweezy, the offense has been pretty healthy for the most part. Um, and so they're going to have to do their part. And I think Russell Wilson's feeling on his side because their defense can't stop anybody. Yeah, it is a football Friday here on a Wednesday ahead of Thursday night football. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai. 
proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We will get to Mike Jarecki's three keys for victory, plus the always popular X Factor. But a reminder, Berging, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. 6.20 is the kickoff from CenturyLink Field. 2.30 p.m. pregame begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. The Cardinals 6-3, and 3-1 on the road. Visit the Seahawks, also 6-3, and 4-0 and oh at home. Though no 12th man, no fans in attendance at CenturyLink Field. Cardinals, as we know, have been very, very good in that market, in that building, in that stadium, I guess I should say. They've won four of five at CenturyLink Field. So, MJ, we're putting you to the test now. It's a short week, so I know you kind of had to strain things a little bit and kind of squeeze, condense the analysis and all the film study that you usually do during the week. But uh, your three keys for a victory, what is number one? Number one would be which defense will break serve first because really it's the Cardinals front seven versus the Seahawks running game. You look at Seattle when it comes to running the football, you know, they're a team that is, you know, I think they're 13th overall, but they ran for 127 yards in the first half last game. And, you know, we'll see about Chris Carson, but it looks like Carlos Hyde's dealing with the hamstring injury, but he's going to play. And then we'll see who their backups are. Um, you start looking at the, the other running back that played in the, in the previous game. Uh, he had a hand injury. So, and they brought Alex Collins back. Uh, he's more of a third down back. So I just think when you look at the previous meeting, you're talking about two defenses, Craig, that gave up over 1,091 yards, 64 first downs, 71 points. So I, I would think that, you know, the Cardinals should want to run the football, but also at the other side, I'll get into the other one. But I just think, Cardinals front seven, uh, they have to control that and put them in third and long where Russell Wilson has to try to find some open receivers. So to me, it's which defense will break serve first. And again, I think the Cardinals front seven going into this game against their running game is going to be very important because based on the Cardinals um, lack of depth or not missing three starters, I would think Seattle's going to try to run the football. They, I don't know why they didn't try to run it uh, in the second half against the Cardinals. And quite frankly, I was surprised the bills didn't do it too. Um, you know, obviously they feel like they have franchise quarterbacks so they can win that way. But I, I really think that front seven against Seattle's running game is going to make a difference when it comes to all four quarters. Hyde is dealing with a hamstring, as you mentioned, and then Chris Carson with a foot. Pete Carroll is listing Carson as questionable. So, again, a game day decision coming up on Thursday. But those two, that one-two punch, much like Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, that one-two punch for the Seahawks without them, I think that's why you've seen Russell Wilson press and really think it's all on his shoulders and why he's made so many mistakes the past couple of games because Carson had Hyde have both missed each of the past three games for the Seahawks. So for the Cardinals aspects, yeah, if, if the Seahawks can run the ball, they're 13th in the league. The Cardinals defensively against the run, 17th. So it's almost a wash there. But uh, it would certainly think that uh, if you can always stop the run, and I know it's cliche, but yeah, make Russell Wilson one-dimensional to where he throws it and keeps throwing it. And then as you, the key word that you said there, MJ, is third down. 
Vance Joseph, after that ball game, pointed to the lack of third downs in the first half. There were only three. Seahawks went one of three on third down in that first half. And then it was in the second half. You get to more third down opportunities, and Coach Joseph can dial up that blitz and give Russell Wilson a little bit more different looks and maybe shake things up a little bit. Yeah, and and so my number two would be the Cardinals wide receivers against the Seattle secondary. Now, Jamal Adams, I would say, you know, he's very similar to Buda Baker, may have a little bit more range just based on his size. Uh, we'll see how many of their corners are active that are starters. They do have a young safety next to, to Adams that's on the rise, but if the Cardinals want to spread them out or they want to go to 11 or 12 personnel, I think they have an advantage here just because the situation in Seattle doesn't really rush the quarterback. I, you know, the sacks come in, you know, basically by committee, very similar. So I'm going to say the Cardinals wide receivers against that secondary, they have to win those matchups. And that means Hopkins, Kirk, Isabella, Fitzgerald, and then we'll throw in one of the tight ends, whether it's uh, Max Williams or Dan Arrow, if they can win that, that to me tells me they can move the ball down the field and they can get some chunk plays and go ahead. I just got a little quick nugget here as far as your first key, because okay. now we got to go backtrack because the Arizona Cardinals have updated their injury report. Jordan Phillips will not play bird gang. He did not practice on Wednesday earlier today after being limited yesterday. So you can rule out Jordan Phillips as far as getting some help on that defensive line. And that certainly now really, I think, brings a big question as far as how do the Cardinals handle three healthy defensive linemen. Maybe Michael Dogby gets elevated to the active roster from the practice squad. But I think now going back to your point as far as how many two-down linemen looks we have seen over the past several weeks, you're going to see a lot of that coming up on Thursday night football. Yeah, that's disappointing, you know, because he missed the last game and – you know, he's a big guy, so the hamstring is, is probably a lot bigger than some of these other guys when it comes to the size of his body. Yeah, and the Cardinals gave him a nice five-year deal. I mean, uh, you know, availability and durability. But, again, if he's hurt, you, you need him for the, the stretch run here. So that's this sticks out, Cardinals front seven versus that Seattle running game. And I don't know if you can just go 2D linemen sometimes. I, I think it's more, you know, sub-packages where you can drop back in the covers, take away some of those passing lanes. But – you know, they're going to have to come up with Vance. I mean, they're going to have to come up with something. And I, they, I'm assuming they knew all week that it was a possibility that he wasn't going to be out there. But Dogby um, would be an, uh, an option. And maybe Kennard can kind of play a little bit outside. I don't know so much with his hand in there because you do have three outside backers that can rush the passer in Reddick, Golden, and, and, and Kennard. And then Josh Morrow, I think his, his snaps are going to have to go up. Didn't mean to interrupt – Mike Jarecki's three keys for a victory, but needed to get that update. Hey, this is live, baby. <laughs> Wanted to make sure Bird Gang had the complete update as far as the injury report. So go back to number two as far as the wide receiver cornerback discussion. Cardinals wide receivers against the Seahawks corners, who, by the way, once again, they will not have their two starting corners. Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar ruled out of this ballgame because of injuries. And that's where I think the Cardinals have an advantage. I think this is a huge advantage. You know, let's be honest, last week they got a little lucky without uh, Levi Wallace and, and Josh Norman. And, you know, they obviously had Tredavious White. And there, there's a reason why the Cardinals were able to move the ball uh, when they did. So 
uh, very similar, but I, I think you have to win this matchup. But we know, and talking to Kenyon Drake today and throughout the course of the week, we know running the football, and I like the fact that they got that one-two punch coming, and then, you know, obviously Murray the X factor. But I think if they can run the ball, it will set up the passing game, but they have to attack those young players. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the Cardinals all day when it comes to their passing game against their secondary. Again, watch out for Jamal Adams. He is dealing with a shoulder injury. I thought he made a business decision the other day. Uh, he could have made the tackle, but he's a guy that's leading them in sacks, and he's a guy that will drop in the box. They're going to try to bring him down the box, very similar to Buda Baker and Byron Murphy coming off the edge. But I think the Cardinals have to win at the line of scrimmage when it comes to their wide receivers getting off press coverage because I do think that's a huge advantage for the Redbirds. Murray dropped back 48 times in that first meeting against the Seahawks. And I think a lot of that, though, MJ, was you're playing from behind. You have yep. to move the ball down quickly. And I don't think he or Kingsbury would prefer him to drop back that many times, even with the advantage that you just discussed as far as the wide receivers going against now the Seahawks backups at corner, DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. But I'm sure that that is something that the Cardinals will pay attention to. And maybe we go back to week one where Hopkins gets targeted half a dozen, I mean, excuse me, not half a dozen, a dozen, 14, 15 times, just because if you're the Seahawks, who are you going to put on number 10? They don't have anyone. No. And again, that should open up things for the inside. And, and if they want to stack the line to stop the run, you got one-on-one. -on -one. I, I, again, I think it's an advantage on paper. You still got to go out there and perform and run your routes, but yeah, I'm, I just think that that's a cardinal. Again, they're going to run the ball, but I think the play action, the RPOs, the zone reads, you can get those linebackers. And I really like their linebackers between Brooks from Texas Tech. You know, Bobby Wagner's been a stud forever in the division. And then you throw in KJ Wright. So if they get sucked in, that's when you can throw the ball over their head a little bit. Easier said than done, though. All right. So first key. The defense, the Cardinals defense, and the Seahawks defense, front seven, which one, as you said, can hold serve? And then number two, that Cardinals wide receiver group against now the second team Seahawks corners. Number three, the third key for Mike Jarecki, if the Cardinals go in and come away with a season sweep of the Seattle Seahawks here in 2020. They're going to have to win the turnover battle. I mean, it's, it's real simple. We know when you're minus two or minus three or you give up a defense over a special team's touchdown, it changes the complexion of the game. So the turnover battle, I, I think it's huge. Uh, we know that Wilson's, you know, I talked to John Clayton earlier, not the name drop, um, but he's a sideline reporter. And, you know, it lists Russell Wilson with 10 turnovers. And, and, I, and I read somewhere else, it's nine. There was a bad snap. And he obviously was recorded with the fumble, but, um, again, the last couple of games that uh, teams have really taken the the, uh, the page from Vance Joseph, that's affected Russell Wilson. So uh, whoever wins the turnover battle to me, and you could say this for every game, but uh, again, if it's one turnover, it's probably not going to affect it. But if you, if you're minus three, um, that's going to be difficult to overcome whether it's home or away. So I think the turnover battle will dictate which team's going to win. Seven turnovers in the past two games for Russell Wilson. Seven interceptions in the past four games, including three in the end zone. So he is forcing the issue to a certain extent. And then you brought up the game plan that Vance Joseph had in week seven. And those three interceptions, the first three of the season, 
And now all of a sudden, more and more teams are looking to duplicate that game plan. What do we say? The National Football League is a copycat league. And here they are. The teams the Seahawks have played since the Cardinals are doing much of the same thing, making sure Wilson gets different looks so he doesn't get comfortable in the pocket. Well, this whole let Russ cook thing, I think Pete Carroll bought into it. And they're throwing the ball more on first and second down. The whole idea is when they get a lead in the fourth quarter, they wouldn't be able to be able to run the football. Well, that hasn't been the case. They've trailed and they're kind of opposite, but um, I think they're going to go back to basics and just listen to Russell Wilson this week. I mean, has he ever lost three in a row? It's a good question. I, I, I don't think he has. I, I don't think he's lost three in a row. And, you know, maybe it was in 2011, but you know, that was when he was drafted. Uh, this team doesn't lose three in a row, but you know, again, they're not the same team they were maybe in the month of September. So um, I just think you got to protect the ball um, because you don't want to give them a short field. Like, you know, what happened with Clowney a year ago and Kyler's improved there, even though he did have the fumble in the Miami game. Um, you, again, I'm not saying they can't come from behind, but I, I just think the turnover battle is going to be huge in this game because I think the ball is going to be in the air. Um, like it was last time. I think if some team can establish the run, that will slow the game down a little bit. Yeah, Cardinals turned the ball over twice, Seahawks three times, including once in overtime, and that was the Isaiah Simmons interception that really set up the Cardinals and Zane Gonzalez to come away with that victory on Sunday night football. So we've got our three keys for victory, MJ, now the X factor, if you will, here for Thursday night football. Kyler Murray. I'm going to – I mean, it's – Again, I love the one-two punch, but he's not only doing it with his legs, he's doing it with his arm. Um, we know he can make the throws. I just think if Kyler Murray can go out there, and I'm not saying he can't turn the ball over. You know, it happens. They get paid too. But I just think if they can get that that one-two punch and then he's the X factor to put him over the top. And, you know, again, uh, I, I think, he, you know, we, we look at healthy Kenyon Drake and ever since he's been here, you know, maybe a couple games, he hasn't played up to par, but this, this offensive line, number one in the league, uh, averaging over 5.3 yards of carry. Um, I just think that Kyler Murray is going to be the X factor. And we know when the game's on the line, he wants the ball in his hand. So that's the way I'm looking at that. Well, he is, certainly gives you an opportunity, even if you are trailing the opportunity to, to come up with a victory and get back into ball games real quick. You certainly don't like to see it, but that's what this team has done, it seems like, since the beginning of the year as far as maybe getting off to a slow start or finding themselves down one score or two scores and then all of a sudden having to rally back. It does take a lot of energy and a lot of effort to do that. So if you can play with the lead, then you can rely on that running game, which is number one in the league and number two as far as yards per carry. I would love to be able to see this team come out whether you win the toss or not, you get a stop or you march downfield, you put seven on the board and you get the Seahawks to start thinking to themselves, you know what? We've lost two straight, three or four. You know, are we ever going to win a ball game again? If you get that in the back of their minds, then you might be able to come away with a, a victory at CenturyLink Field. Yeah, and I don't think a Pete Carroll team's looking ahead because their schedule lightens up a lot after this game. You know, but so the potential for December surge is possible. Now, when you look at it, though, if this is a game where DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's 150 yards away from 1,000, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he's, I think he needs 149 to 150. 
But if the based on their secondary, I, I think that's going to be the go-to guy. And then if anyone else is open, so um, I could see Hopkins getting 150 yards in this game, maybe one or two touchdowns. But the way I look at it is the Cardinals will, uh, you know, if they can protect the football, stop the run, run it and pass it like the normal things they do. I like the Cardinals to win 34-17. Wow. That's quite the spread there as far as margin of victory. I, Again, when you have Russell Wilson, I'm always hesitant because you just never know. We've seen it time in and time again, especially how many times he rallies that team to a victory, especially in the fourth quarter. But as banged up as the Seahawks are and as the emotional high, if you will, and the momentum, yes, Kyle Odegaard, I believe in momentum. The Cardinals certainly are on a roll, if you will. Quick side note, just an update, 139 receiving yards. Okay. And Hopkins would tie the franchise record for fewest games, 10, to reach 1,000 receiving yards. That's incredible. But yeah, so it's even better. And, and I think he can get 139, not being flippant here. It's, now, if, if you want to go 31-27, sign me up, because the Cardinals have scored over 30 points in five consecutive games. I mean, I – Again, I don't think it's going to be a 17-10 game. I, I think both of these defenses aren't the same what they were in the past, and we know that they're pushing the ball down the field, and Seattle's going to have to figure out, you know, their, their situation at center. Um, they had the backup, and then guys got a concussion, um, and then their top two running backs, I mean, on paper, yeah, it looks like Carlos Hyde's going to go. Um, we don't, Lockett's listed as questionable, but, again, they're not just playing for Thursday night. They're playing for the rest of the season. So I think those are matchups, but I guess I was predicting that Hopkins can get 150 yards in this game. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. On Lockett quoting head coach Pete Carroll, he looked fine as far as how he performed on Wednesday's practice. So Lockett is going to give it a go. And I didn't think anything less, but when you're talking about a knee sprain, you have no idea. So he's certainly going to be less than 100%. But you could say that about every single player on that field having played on Sunday and now turning around four days later and playing on Thursday night football. This game is big, MJ, because of what it means in the standings. But certainly, I think all of the nation is looking forward to this contest because Thursday night football, well, typically the matchups, even on paper, aren't great. Yeah, and you look at Russell Wilson. Now we have to go body of work. I still think, you know, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, touchdown interception ratio, Rodgers, um, you're talking about two guys in the top five when it comes to the MVP vote. Now, I listened to Chris Collinsworth earlier, and he said, he, you know, he he dropped him on his list. And so it's really Mahomes, Rodgers, um, Wilson, Brady, and Murray. They're all in that kind of that weave right there. So, and, and we know how difficult the MVP is, but if this team gets a double-digit wins, you, you got to say, based on his rushing and passing, and Kyler Murray, at the end of the year, are you ready for this? He can have 40 combined touchdowns. <laughs> it's possible. In addition to 4,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, yeah, it's – what he is doing now, it's, it's mind-boggling. I know, Bird Gang, we bring it up every single week, and it's – something we've never seen before. So you just kind of have to sometimes sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like this team, you know, both teams probably just light workouts, no helmets. Um, you go through the walkthroughs and, you know, you get on the plane. And, and again, I do think there is a night that the home team has an advantage, but it's, it's not like you're walking into to Kansas city to play a healthy chiefs team. So 
Um, and we talked about it earlier in the week where it, it makes sense the NFL schedules division games because they just played each other. And now this will be the fourth time that Murray and Click Kingsbury face the Seahawks. So there's some familiarity there. Um, but I, I think this Cardinal team, they, they feel like they know what's at stake and there's, there can't be any hiccups. And, and again, if Seattle plays better, we'll give them credit. But I feel like this team feels like, you know, we match up really good with them and there's certain matchups. I think the Cardinals have an advantage and I'm sure if we're listening to Seattle uh, media, they're probably saying the same thing, but you go back to that first game, Craig, Carson gets hurt and they don't, they, they don't run the football. And then, you know, all of a sudden you, they, when they probably look back at the film said that we should have ran the football, but Russell Wilson's not running as much. Now we know he can throw on the run. He can extend plays because he's got a strong arm, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see just, you know, I love when the Cardinals go with the hurry up offense because they can't make any substitution changes. And by the fourth quarter, we've seen multiple teams when they show you a timeout or, you know, they're coming back from a break, those guys have their hand on their hips and, you know, that can be play a role when it comes to trying to figure out what they're going to do. So there's a lot of little um, nuances to when they play the Seahawks, but they're definitely familiar with each other. Carson got hurt early in that contest. He only yeah. had five carries. So it certainly did change how the Seahawks yeah. attacked the Cardinals in that first meeting. And you bring up the stakes. You got three teams tied for first in the NFC West, but the Cardinals at 2-0 and in the division. You go to 3-0, and 7-3 and overall. You open up a full one-game lead on the Seahawks, MJ. And, of course, you sweep the season series. That gives you the tiebreaker. But to your point about the Seahawks, and as badly as they've played here recently, they can get right quick after Thursday. At the Eagles, home to the Giants, home to the Jets, and at Washington. Well, I, I said this on one of the platforms. It could have been the Red Sea Report, but maybe it was Cards Cover 2 yesterday. But he's going to break out at some point. I mean, he's too good. But I think he is pressing, though. I just think he knows that that defense and, – and, and, again, that's the NFL. you got to score points. Teams that are you know, over 30 points, they got pretty good records. And there's a reason why, you know, they are out to a 5-0 start uh, or 4-5-0 and start to start the season. So um, he, he usually doesn't have a lot of bad days. It's just right now, you know, their offensive line is, has always been shaky. Uh, he covers a lot of those blemishes. Um, but he's had some wide outs and tight ends that, you know, can help the the, the play action stuff. But he's going to break out at some point. Let's just hope it's not tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. That's what you always hope is the case when you have a superstar that's struggling and then all of a sudden, you know, gets hot. Like you almost prefer that they are hot when you play them because eventually they'll cool off. But I understand the flip side of that as well, because if you're struggling it's not going to last forever, especially with the resume and certainly the skill set of a Russell Wilson. Well, it, I don't think we could have predicted. What was he, 19 over three when he came to State Farm Stadium and he walked out of there with three interceptions and a, a fumble? I mean, we couldn't have predicted that. So he was playing at a high level, and that's the reason why he was in the conversation. And he still should be, but um, you look at touchdown interception, and I think Murray will tip the scales because of the, the rushing. You know, what, what Lamar Jackson doing? Patrick Mahomes isn't running like that. So, yeah, uh, I just think that he's too talented. Um, but the Cardinals' job is to contain him and force him to make some villivized, uh, you know, decisions when it comes to throwing the football because he is pressing. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind he's pressing. Yeah, let's hopefully they add to that turnover total 
as far as the Cardinals defense, get a couple of more takeaways from Russell Wilson and the entire Seahawks offense. A reminder, Bird Gang, if you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Now, we normally don't do this because Cardinals play in a, you know, retractable stadium and the weather's usually good. And it was funny because if the game was in Buffalo, they, they're, they're going to have like a thunderstorm. Now, it's supposed to rain. Earlier in the week, it looked bad. Now it's 40 to 50 percent. So if that's the case, um, I got to think both teams are going to try to run the football. This would be the first time as I look back at the Cardinals, you go to San Francisco, the weather was great. Carolina, beautiful. The Jets, a little bit cold. And then, of course, the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I mean, they have not had to deal with poor weather conditions or even poor field conditions. So maybe a, a second X factor tilting the scale in either team's direction. If it is wet and if guys slipping and sliding all over the place, then maybe that does uh, maybe even the playing field even more. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they play up there. Um, they practice in it. That's part of it. That's why they have a, such a great home record. Um, but Kyler Murray, you know, he's regardless of his hand size, he, he can throw that ball. And we don't know if they had a wet ball trick this week where you drop a ball in, in the water and get it as wet as you can. And then he's got to throw it because the ball is a little bit heavier, but uh, usually on Fridays, in this case, maybe on Wednesdays, you do situational football, like working on Hail Marys, even though it's not really defended, but you want to make sure guys are in position. So uh, I would assume that the, I mean, they have so many people in, in that front office that it talks about the weather and what kind of cleats you should wear. So I, they're not going to be surprised. Um, but I do think, you know, that could lead to teams trying to run the football a little bit more. 34-17, Mike Jarecki predicting a Cardinals win first and foremost, but doubling up the Seahawks on Thursday night football. And then, of course, an extra long weekend before the Cardinals go back on the road at New England on Sunday, November 29th. And then, of course, they'll still have one more East Coast trip after that when they go to the New York Giants, but that's not until December. So certainly – Right now, the focus is on Seattle, and everyone has said the right things, even though I was a little surprised, MJ, that even on Tuesday and earlier today, players were asked about the hell Murray, and they answered, and I thought maybe some of them would just say, you know what, that's behind us. We need to strictly focus on the Seahawks, but I, I get it. It was one of those magical plays, one of those once-in-the-lifetime plays, those moments that you'll never forget, so I don't blame any of us as far as in the media and fan base, as far as still focusing on that play yet, you have to be able to turn the page now and, and put that focus on game day, which is tomorrow night. Yeah. And normally, you know, Kyler Murray talks on Wednesday. So does Cliff. Cliff talks on Mondays. Uh, obviously you get the recap and this year we're getting some interviews on Tuesday. So really it's the first time that we had a chance to talk to Patrick Peterson and other guys. Now you, you definitely want to talk to somebody that, you know, like Buda Baker, you know, Catherine Fitzgerald, who does a good job for the Arizona Republic, she asked him, you know, do you do you do you take a look at that film and say what I have done differently and all that? But I think for the most part, they know what's at stake here. And I thought that going into the Dolphins game, unfortunately, it just didn't shake out the way, right way. But um, they know what's at stake. And I, I like the fact that they, they've said we haven't accomplished anything from the general manager to the head coach. Yes, it's nice to be in first place, but you want to be in first place like late in December, week 16 or 17. Quoting Kingsbury, we better snap right back into it 
and get down to business, end quotes, with respects to putting that game against the Buffalo Bills in the rearview mirror. Again, Bird Gang, 620 is the kickoff, 230 the pregame on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And then we'll talk to you on Cardinal Talk Thursday into the evening, late night Cardinal Talk. And hopefully we're all talking about a Cardinals win. And then we'll rejoin you for a recap and kind of a uh, self-evaluation, player evaluation on what happened on Thursday night football. And we'll do that on Friday. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It's a football Friday on a football Wednesday, if you will, because of Thursday night football, always an interesting week. Let's hope the Cardinals have prepared as such. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.